always stay connected with 99.9% reliable Sky Broadband. Switch your home to Sky Broadband today. See sky.ie for more. Cara Vogt is a politics reporter with Rolling Stone magazine in the United States. Cara, to start, can you take us back to last week when the US Supreme Court announced it was overturning Roe v. Wade? You were on the steps of the Supreme Court in Washington, D.C. when this news came out and watched how some people celebrated with cheers of joy while plenty of others broke down into tears of despair. Can you describe what it was like to watch these two deeply divided groups stand side by side and process this news? Sure. I actually arrived at the court just around the moment that the decision had been announced. Constitution does not confer a right to abortion! And I heard a combination of screams and cheers, which is such a jarring set of sounds to hear together uh, outside of, for example, like a sports stadium or something when one team scores a goal. The scene was was really unusual because these groups do not stand side by side. It's very polarized in America. For the most part, people had sorted into their camps. Uh, one thing that I observed is as people were arriving at the court, they would scan the crowd and try to figure out where their kind were, you know, who looked sad, who looked happy. Both groups really felt like they had a lot at stake with this. And I think that that was the, the biggest takeaway for me is that for people who have been fighting Roe for decades, they, they really saw this as a culmination of their effort. And they saw it as something to really celebrate. One person was, was telling me that this is just one step in, in their movement because even though Roe's been overturned, now the work is to go state by state and try to secure... Uh, the end of abortion rights at the state level or the local level. And and for others, for people who are, who are pro-abortion rights, um, this felt like a really, really huge failure. Please, please, I am begging each and every one of you. I am scared as a Texan, and I am scared as a woman, and I am scared as a Mexican. Please do something and vote. Vote, vote, vote. People seemed petrified. People were just sobbing, just just sobbing, just openly. Young women, older women. It was really quite the scene. Scared, because what are they going to come for next? Gay marriage. Will I be able to marry a woman in four years? The next election cycle is going to be brutal. Like, it's terrifying. I'm Sarah Hapalak, and this is In the News from the Irish Times. One week on, what impact is the end of Roe v. Wade already having on American women? Cara, we want to talk to you today about what the end of Roe v. Wade really means for American women, what's happening on the ground in places where abortions usually take place, and in courtrooms and political campaigns where this issue is endlessly fought over. But first of all, how many states officially now no longer allow abortions inside their borders? We're not entirely sure yet because a lot of the legal landscape is still shaking out. But when the decision came down, 26 states, so just over half, were positioned to either ban or heavily restrict abortion access. So even before last week's ruling, 13 U.S. states, including places like Texas, Louisiana, Wyoming and Utah, had already passed so-called trigger laws, which are 
bans on abortion which were designed to take effect from the moment the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade. Cara, have those trigger laws already taken effect? And if they have, what has been their impact so far? So in several states, they have taken effect and they are just the law of the land now. In some states, they took effect briefly and then a judge declared the law unconstitutional for various reasons. Um, One thing that's really important to emphasize is that that is not the last say. Um, These cases will be appealed by pro-life groups and and lawyers and um, very well may be overturned. So the effect is, is chilling in a couple of ways. One, there's the literal fact that abortion access is not happening in the states where it's banned. The clinics have shut down. There are recordings on the phone lines that say, we cannot offer you an abortion. Please visit this website for more information. Um, But even more than that, uh, it's creating a chilling effect even in the places where abortion is legal because a number of these laws, especially those in Texas and Oklahoma, aren't just about access to abortion. They're also about punishing anybody who assists in helping someone from Texas secure an abortion. So there's a lot of questions right now about the legality of this and exactly how this would work. But there's a lot of people who are afraid to help patients seeking abortions out of state because they don't know if they'll be held liable in a lawsuit or for other criminal activity because they've either, you know, given someone an Uber ride to a clinic or been the doctor who performed the procedure. And uh, with so much uncertainty right now, there's a lot of clinics in places um, for example, Utah, where, um, you know, even though abortion is legal, people are afraid and they don't want to be held liable. And so they're not opening their clinics. They're not making abortion mm-hmm. available. Um, in the state of Wisconsin, which had a, a, it wasn't a trigger law, but it was a, a law on the books from long before Roe was decided in the 1970s that banned abortion. And upon the federal ruling being overturned on Roe, that law then became active. Um, So abortion is banned in Wisconsin. The governor of that state, Tony Evers, has said that he will grant clemency to anybody who is seeking an abortion there um, or performing an abortion there. Um, But the clinics are still closed in Wisconsin because that word is not enough to, to make them feel secure. And so it's really important to emphasize that even though there's only technically 13 states where these trigger laws were, it's having a much broader effect on the availability of abortions across the country. That law that you mentioned in Wisconsin, how old is that law? How far back does that go, do you know? It's from the 1940s, I believe. I think it's 1949. And Wisconsin um, and its neighbor, Michigan, both have these laws on the books. The Michigan law is from the 1930s, although some of the law... The, the foundation of that law is actually also from the, the middle of the 19th century. So these are, these are really, really old laws. Um, in Michigan, the attorney general there said she's not going to enforce the law. Um, but even she doesn't have all the control over that because there are local prosecutors across the state who can decide to enforce the law and just very well may choose to. And so this isn't even just about state by state, but locality by locality in, in many respects, too. But Cara, the pro-choice side are planning on challenging these various laws that ban and criminalise abortion. With Rogan, what legal basis do they have for doing that? That's a really good question that has a complicated answer. 
So right now, after speaking to attorneys who were involved in the case at the Supreme Court that overturned Roe, they very much feel that legal action is not happening at the federal level right now. That because Roe was overturned, essentially the movement has lost its legal precedent for, for the right to privacy, which is what the foundation of Roe was built on. So the, the challenge now moves to the states. And some state constitutions have explicitly in them a right to privacy. And on that basis, um, for example, Florida is a state that has that. On that basis, attorneys think that they can sue and guarantee a right to an abortion in that state because of that. Florida had a a 15-week abortion ban. That, That law is set to take effect on July 1st, but attorneys think it's promising because of that way that the Constitution is that they'll be able to stop that. Other avenues that they're pursuing are measures to amend state constitutions, which is a lengthy process. They often require a ballot measure, so it's not a quick fix. But in states like Michigan and Vermont, activists and attorneys are pursuing that course to try to get the right to abortion codified in the state constitution. Once it's there, it's much, much easier to defend the right in the state. There's also a lot of lawsuits being filed left and right against these bans. Um, I I would consider it to be a... uh, full court press on on any any legal hook attorneys can get into. Pregnant women looking to get an abortion are navigating a shifting landscape that changes day to day, sometimes hour by hour. In Texas, Cara, some of the eventualities that pro-choice groups have warned about for years are now happening. So like people being forced to cross the border from places like Texas into Mexico and placing their personal health in the hands of unregulated operators. And one week into this post-row world, that's already happening, right? Women are taking risks. Women are willing to take these risks. One of my colleagues wrote a story today about airline pilots uh, who have... Maybe they, they work for an airline. Maybe they are amateur pilots with licenses. They are renting planes and they are taking women across state lines. The idea that you would get into a propeller plane with a stranger to cross state lines is pretty absurd, um, especially for a very intimate medical procedure. But women are willing to do it. Mm. One aspect of this that I should flag is the vast majority of abortions are carried out through medication. And the federal government still has a bit of jurisdiction over how that happens. They control the Postal Service, for example, and the commitment to being able to prescribe those over telehealth and mailing them to people who need them is still very much something that that the government's supporting in America. We'll see how long that lasts. Um, It seems to me, based on some of what we're seeing within the states, that there may be some protest against that going forward. But for a lot of women, that's a very safe option. It's not an easy option. It's it's still quite physically and emotionally taxing. And in states where abortion is banned, um, a lot of times if women have complications from this medication, they may be reluctant to seek medical care and criminalize themselves in doing so. So while it's a better option, it is still a harrowing one for a lot of people. And presumably if women or in perhaps girls, teenagers who find themselves um, pregnant and in need of an abortion don't fully understand what's happening in their body but can't seek medical advice and thus turn to ordering these pills online but don't 
understand when to take them or how to take them, that's still a massive risk as well, right? It's a massive risk. And I should say that for underage women in some states, such as Texas, that required parental uh, permission to seek an abortion previously. And the idea of having to tell a parent about this, especially in a household maybe that's Catholic or or doesn't have any sort of acceptance of, of that practice, could be really scary and also um, perhaps put the the abortion seeker at some kind of a risk. So, um, yeah, I think I think the underage question is a really important one. In it is pretty amazing that in America you have to be 25 years old to rent a car um, and 21 to drink and 18 to vote. But uh, according to many states, that all of those ages are are older than you need to be to carry a baby to term. Um, and and that's something that you know for young people it's 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 truly terrifying Studies have also shown, though, that American attitudes to abortion are nuanced and that most people who are opposed to abortion being generally available actually do favor it being accessible in cases of rape or incest. But do legislators care? My understanding, and I'm not a lawyer, but from the lawyers I've spoken with, oftentimes these laws that have no exemptions are for one of two reasons. They're written in that way because the anti-abortion activists don't want anything in the laws that might allow for more exceptions. And the activists come at this from a place that life begins in the womb. Um, Certain factions of them anyways. A lot of abortion rights activists argue that this is seeking control over women's bodies and it has nothing to do with with the time of conception, but I'll put that aside for a second. Um, But in any case, case, um, the more exceptions that exist, the more legal loopholes that exist. And so these are now kind of smooth surfaces of laws that don't have uh, much to argue about. The other piece of it is these laws are written in a way that do excite the activist base on especially the Republican side who are these anti-abortion activists. This is the way they want them written. It's not clear that the Republican Party that has sided with them really thought all the way through what it would be like for these laws to actually be on the books, that it was a great bit of red meat to throw to their supporters, but in, but in fact, for the broader population, it, it would be disastrous. Um, we're curious to see how some of the legislative and legal fights unfold at this moment. It's not clear exactly what will happen to those laws. There is some suspicion that they are so draconian that whether through lawsuits or through elections in America, some of these may ease up a little bit or at least you know soften on some of these really barbaric restrictions. But it's not clear yet exactly how that will play out. So, Cara, I want to move on to the states where abortion is still legal and accessible. Do you think, are they ready for the influx of women who will arrive from other states seeking abortion services and general supports? Some have tried to be as ready as they can be. I'll point to the state of California, which in addition to being just a massive state, is the world's fifth largest economy and is entirely under democratic control. Back in September, the governor began a council to bring together advocates and healthcare providers and legal minds to figure out in a post-rule world, 
what can California do as this massive economy, as this big place, as a state that borders um, Arizona, which is a state that does not have access to abortion at the moment? How can we support the rest of the country? And they came up with 45 actionable items, which turned into 13 pieces of legislation, which are all now moving through the state house in California and the governor intends to sign them. These laws include, like I mentioned before, $100 million for people who need to travel to California and pay for abortions. It includes rights for people to essentially protect them from some of those laws in other states that try to criminalize abortion and providers to protect them from the lawsuits that people in Texas and Oklahoma can bring against anyone who's aiding and abetting an abortion. Mm. It includes a lot of money to try to ramp up services in the state, expand clinics, train people. It includes um, allowing more types of healthcare providers to offer abortions. So California is the, the gold standard. Mm-hmm. That that would be the absolute most a state could do. Um, states like Connecticut, Massachusetts, Washington State, Oregon have all done some pieces of this. They haven't gone as far as California has, but they've done some pieces. They can't absorb the 37 million women who are now living in these states without abortion. This decision today landed like a thunderclap on Capitol Hill and on the American political scene. It changes the dynamics potentially for the midterm elections, bringing this issue, social issues, abortion rights, to the fore of a midterm campaign and discussion that had been primarily focused so far on the economy and on inflation. Kara, once people get over their respective celebrations or commiserations at what's happened in the last few days with Roe v. Wade, is there a sense that the two sides of this debate are now gearing up for a big battle in the courts and in politics with the elections coming up later this year? It's hard to say. The outrage on Friday that I saw on the abortion rights side was so intense. And for a lot of women in particular, though certainly not limited to women, this will be a really important issue for them. Um, That said, right now, inflation is really high in America. The economy is actually doing all right, but for a lot of people, it doesn't feel that way because the value of the dollar has has gone down in the face of inflation. And that issue has, has been the top one on voters' minds even in some of the post-row polls, uh, the early ones shows that it's an important issue for a lot of people, but it's not the most important issue. Mm. And now that so much of this is is going to the states, um, I think you'll see blue states continue to do more and more to shore up protections and choose candidates that will promise to do that. I think in the Republican-controlled states, the states that are most closely aligned with the anti-abortion activists, they will continue to restrict, and you'll see a lot of voters continuing to push that. One important piece here is that the federal government can't do anything to protect abortion rights unless there are 60 Democratic senators in the U.S. Senate. Right now there are 50, and that is a very tall order for voters everywhere to flip 10 seats, especially given the climate in which we know that it is expected to be a very tough year for President Biden's Democratic Party. It's just how elections work two years into a president's term. And 
the prospects of, of being able to con- keep control of, of Congress, both chambers of Congress, and actually increase the number of lawmakers who would be sympathetic to extending abortion rights through legislation, I don't think it, it's going to happen. I don't think a lot of people think it's going to happen. One loophole people would like to see is uh, the Democratic Senate get rid of the filibuster, which is used to block a simple majority from passing any sorts of, of laws. On Thursday, U.S. President Joe Biden said for the first time that he supported removing the Senate filibuster in order to pass legislation which would protect abortion rights. I believe we have to codify Roe v. Wade in the law, and the way to do that is to make sure the Congress votes to do that. And if the filibuster gets in the way, it's like voting rights, it should be, we provide an exception for this, for the, except the, require an exception to the filibuster for this action to deal with the Supreme Court decision. But that decision is not in his hands. It's worth mentioning that since the Supreme Court ruling last week, um, many anti-abortion activists have been saying that their work has just begun. What do you think they mean? Are they talking about access to contraceptives, the use of IVF clinics? Could they be next on the list? They mean all of those things and more. For many of them, they don't see the states that have codified the right to abortion as off the table. They will continue to fight to end rights in those states. An important battle that's coming up is in the state of Kansas, where there's a ballot measure to block the right to abortion, which Kansas currently has. Uh, It's limited, but it's there. And they're fighting as much as they can to make sure that that ballot measure passes. We already see rumblings that state lawmakers are interested in banning emergency contraception. The state of Missouri has had some instances of clinics seeming not willing to give it out. Mm. It's all anecdotal. It's not official. But uh, some people have looked to that as a sign that potentially they're gearing up for criminalization of that activity. In terms of medical interventions, one very scary set of anecdotes that have come out are women who experience ectopic pregnancies, which are essentially, they're not viable. Um, The the fetus gets lodged in the fallopian tube and causes a lot of pain, and if left untreated, will will kill the the carrier. Um, And doctors are having to wait until the very last minute to help those women and there's part of me that that wonders, based on some of what we're seeing, if they will end some of that emergency intervention also. And um, there's, there's there seems to be no limit to how far this can go. Every every victory that the anti-abortion activists get opens a new door to a new landscape. There there is a uh, someone running for office in Michigan who would like to ban contraception. Period. Not just emergency contraception, but contraception. You know all of it. And I think she's considered to be the fringe of fringe, but how often in America has the fringe of fringe become the mainstream? It, we'll have to wait and see if others join her in that, in that cause. So Cara, do you think, does this Supreme Court ruling set the United States back 50 years? Or are Americans now facing actually a totally new uncharted territory or era within, as you've mentioned, an increasingly divided and polarized nation? I think this sets America back 150 years, actually. And the reason I say that is there has been no time in America's history when the individual state laws have been so mismatched. 
save for the darkest time in the Republic when uh, America was in a civil war. The period of time when the Fugitive Slave Act was on the books and states rebelled against it is essentially what led to the civil war in America. That has the same premise as the types of abortion laws we're seeing now. We have a federal ruling that has gotten rid of a right. States are trying to protect it. They are not respecting other states' laws. And it's truly, I would say it's unprecedented, but it's not. And the precedent is, should be very scary to a lot of people. Vote, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you. That's all for this week. My thanks to Cara Vote of Rolling Stone magazine for joining us. This episode was produced by Suzanne Brennan and Declan Conlon. Never suffer the buffer again. Always stay connected with 99.9% reliable sky broadband. Whether you're streaming on the sofa... in the bedroom or swiping in the bathroom hey get out of here i said swiping you'll never be without it switch your home to 99.9% reliable sky broadband availability subject to location requires sky broadband ultra fast for more info see sky.ie forward slash speeds 99.9% reliability based on time our broadband network works across our base